Bangarang Radio, Bangarang Radio, BangarangRadio.com. I'm going out, I gotta go, I'll Bangarang on the radio, so turn it up, I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Why, thank you, Chris. That's Chris DeManx of Less Than Jake, everybody. Give him a r- big round of applause. One of my favorite artists of all time. Definitely a band in my top five, for sure. And uh, if you're not uh, familiar with what Chris has been doing for, I don't know how long he's been doing it. I don't think it's been quite a year. I could be wrong, but anyway, Chris will write a custom song for you, and it could be for a special occasion like an anniversary or a birthday or whatever special occasion it is, or a podcast. Um, He's written songs for, I think, an animated series somewhere in Europe somewhere. I've seen him post all kinds of cool different things on his uh, social media pages about it. He also does uh, shout outs through uh, via Cameo and things like that with a bunch of other celebrities. And I saw that he did a song for another podcast called uh, Talking Records, I think was uh, the name of the podcast. And I really liked the way the song sounded because I checked it out. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I hire him to re-record the Pop Punk and Pizza theme uh, for us, or for me? Because, as you know, I talk about Less Than Jake all the time on this podcast. Um, I interviewed Chris one time a couple of years ago, too. I was fortunate enough to talk with him, and so I was like, I'm just going to do it. So I messaged him, we set it up, he was very, very professional about it, very quick, um, I love the way it turned out, So, and I hope you do too. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because I'm a big supporter of Less Than Jake. I'm a big supporter of Chris DeManx. So if you're looking to get a song done, Chris is your guy, all right? Uh, his prices are very reasonable. He'll work very quickly with you, very professional. And I know he just posted about this uh, this week. He'll also write songs with you as well. So let's say your band is working on a EP or a single or a full record or whatever it is. He will help you uh, with your songwriting. I thought that was great. So hit up Chris DeMakes, if you can, of Less Than Jake. You can find him on uh, Facebook, on, on Twitter, and he's on Instagram as well. I, I should have. I'm, I'm so ill-prepared. I should be pulling up. I'm going to do that, actually, right now. Let me Let me pull up those socials for you real quick so that way if you want to get in touch with him okay so his instagram is less than chris d okay his twitter is less than chris and then on i know he's got a facebook page as well it's just chris demanx i'm pretty sure yeah, it's just chris demanx so um if you need whatever kind of songwriting help you need or if you want a custom song made for your sweetheart or whoever, hit up Chris DeManx. I highly suggest him. And thank you, big thank you once again to Chris for doing that. I thought this would be a great episode to premiere the new theme song because our 
guest today, his first name is Jake. So I thought, let's put the Jakes together. We got Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. We got Jake Marquis of Sleep On It. Let's do it. And actually, you know what? Zach from Sleep On It, he actually chimes in a little bit on this conversation as well. So I talked to Jake uh, via phone yesterday. We had a blast talking about all kinds of different things. We talked about serious topics like the pandemic. How could you not talk about it at this point? I know we're all sick of hearing about it, but I feel like we talked about some very important things and some things that you should know. Um, and... Uh, that are happening with the the pandemic. So I feel like it's it's useful information. I don't think it's it's too uh, overbearing. And then we get into some other fun stuff. Like we talk about Star Wars. We talk about their Twitch account where they're having like cooking shows and stuff. Him and Zach are are cooking together. Um, all kinds of. We talk about Jurassic Park. We talk about Fallout Boy. All kinds of fun stuff. So that is uh, our special guest on the show today. So let's get to it. Jake Marquis of sleep on it, and a little dose of Zach in the background here and there. It's mainly later on in the conversation. Yo. Yo, is this Jake? It is. Hey, how's it, how's it going? I am doing dandy. Good. It's Jacques. I'm sure you figured it out. I, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I just want to make sure, like, you know, you, uh, it, I mean, it could be somebody else. This, this whole, we could do a, an hour long interview and you could be thinking you're talking to me, but it turns out you're talking to somebody else. <laughs> and then I message you and be like, uh, sorry, man. I know we were supposed to do our thing today, but I couldn't. And then you're like, uh, what? <laughs> Who was I talking to that whole time? So it is Marquis, right? It is. Okay, because I've never, I don't think I've ever actually heard anyone pronounce your last name. And I always yeah. figured that's what it was. But I'm Yeah, sh- it, it's like a Marquis, like theater, or it's not Marquise or anything <laughs> like that. Marquises. I've heard like lots of like weird S's added on to the end of it. Yes. Oh Did you yeah. Say yes? <laughs> I um I'm not surprised by that. Um I go through that all the time with Jacques, yes. with Jacques, you know, like people yeah, say Yeah, Jacques is a very like yeah, yeah, we got the French names going on here. Man, yeah, and what's funny is I thought when I uh I chose that as my like my nickname or stage name or whatever, I thought I was being smart with it because it's like one of the most common French names. It's like the most generic besides Pierre, I guess. And right. no one can pronounce it right. <laughs> leave, so. leave it to Americans to not be able to pronounce anything oh, French. That's, I that's guess. Fair. What helped though? Well, I have I have two last names. My other last name is Farquhar, which is equally as French. Yeah. So I have a hyphenated last name. So my school teachers would just quiver when they saw my because I just like didn't know how to pronounce it. It's far far Farquare Marquis <laughs> like what? <laughs> Sounds like a like an exotic uh, drink of of some kind, something very uh, yeah, you know, like you put it in a martini or something. Yeah, like could I get the an uh, Mar- my last name is Aperitif. 
Can I get the the Marquis? Can I get the Mark Marquis Daiquiri? Thank you so much. Well, I mean, you are a bartender, so there could be I am a, mar- a bartender. You know, there could be a Marquis Daiquiri. You know, you could have. I do. I do hope to own my own bar someday. Mm-hmm. Someday, not anytime soon, but like someday. Well, if you owned your own bar, what would it be like? I. I don't know. It would it would definitely have a restaurant because I love cooking. Oh yeah, and food. Um, it'd probably be a bar venue. Honestly, I'd own I'd probably own something like Bee Kitchen, like something of the same sort, like a small restaurant with a venue attached to it. Mm-hmm. That would yeah, be amazing. I'd love that because I love Bee Kitchen. I love their food. I think it's fantastic. I love, I love two to three hundred cap rooms that also have food. I'm like a huge fan of that venue setup. Yes. Yes. Me so, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I aspire to own one one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shuba's is like that. Um, yeah. What else is like that? I'm sure there's more in Chicago. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah. Um, I mean Lincoln Hall, Reggie's. They all have food. Yeah, that's um, true. Oh yeah, Reggie's. How could I forget Reggie's? Yeah. Good point. Um, bottom Lounge. I mean, that's a bigger room, but they have food too. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, they do. I guess they're, yeah, they're technically all connected. They're just connected in different ways. Yeah. You know, like Bee Kitchen and Shuba's, it's all like straight to the back and there's the the room. And the I feel like the, well, no, bottom line, just never mind. <laughs> I don't know what I'm you're talking good. You're about. You're good. You're good. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting off track. But anyway, it's so great to talk to you finally. I feel like yeah, we, uh, the last time we briefly spoke, um, none of this was going on with COVID-19 and, yeah. you know, like Pride and Disaster Tour, we were talking about that and that was about to kick yeah. off and because this was in the beginning of January. And yeah. you um, said you were actually about to retire the podcast. That's what you were saying. Yeah. And for, that's for what the time I, being. I was, too. And then I'm back a lot sooner than I planned on being. I really I really thought I was going to be gone for at least a full year. And, you know, I, I started to feel better after, you know, like a month or two. And, and then this whole pandemic thing happened. And then I just was like, screw it. I'm, I'm coming back. I, I, I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just felt like with, with everything going on, this was, this was a good time to, to get back at it. Cause I, I really feel for, for everyone in the, the industry right now from, mm-hmm. you know, um, obviously bands like sleep on it to venue workers, to promoters, to, you, you know, you name it. It's just, everyone is affected. It's a, it's a trickle, it's a trickle down. And, um, as you know, I don't have to explain that to you, but, um, yeah. so that was, you know, part of the reason. And I, honestly, I missed, I missed having, you know, contact with people in the scene, mm-hmm and all that so but yeah so yeah i was about to retire and uh, retire you know I'd, or go on hiatus for a while and we talked we talked about that too so um yeah it's crazy this this year is just it's really thrown everyone for a loop um but uh so now let's see did you guys even get through a week of the pride and disaster tour before it... we did we did about 10 days i think okay which was about half right it's a little under half a little under half and i couldn't remember how long that tour was and um so when when you guys were out there before 
you were out there, was there any anticipation that, oh shit, like this might get canceled? Um, yeah, I mean, so we didn't know how serious it was when we were on the tour, like, well, like at least the first like five or six shows, I think, but, you know, getting towards the, the, like the last three we did, we started to hear about, you know, how it was the, the situation was escalating. And then the last show we played before it got canceled, we were in Atlanta and it, it was all over the news that day because, uh, the NBA had pulled the plug. You know, they talked about the Utah Jazz players getting it. And that was the first major association to cancel stuff. Um, and that that's when I knew that there it was a, a real serious problem that we were going to have to probably, you know, at least, anal, you know, it was going to at least put a wrench in something. I, we, I didn't think it would cancel everything the next day like it did. But, uh, yeah, it was. It, it happened so fast and you know, that Atlanta show, we, you know, we had a great show. It was, you know, pretty solid, solid room. It wasn't one of the sold out ones, but it was like, it was definitely a good amount of people there having a great time. We got off stage and we started seeing some articles about, about the virus and how it was affecting people and how that they expected all of the other national sports associations to follow suit the next day. And then of course we woke up the next day and live nation and everybody just canceled literally everything like it was like one day everything's gone holy shit the tour's over yeah and and at that point everyone's like what are we gonna do yeah exactly and we were you know we were all the way in atlanta yeah like, we weren't we weren't close <laughs> no you know and we had we had two sold out shows the next two days oh, you know we had, a, we had one day off and then we had columbus ohio sold out and then we had indianapolis sold out um, and then we had a bunch more, we had a bunch more that were on the cusp and then we had the Chicago shows at the end of it. So like, we didn't even get to play some of the coolest shows of the tour, but there was nothing we could do. Mm. Like we, there was a moment where we were considering playing the Ohio show and the Indianapolis show, but ultimately we were like, I don't think that's smart. I think we'll look foolish and, uh, like we're putting our fans in danger if we do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to be remembered for that. And I don't think we we didn't want to be remembered for that. So um, that we ultimately were just like, yeah, the tour's over. Like, we're going home. We're just going to go back to Chicago and figure it out when we get there. Um, so. And yeah. and now the all those dates are rescheduled, right? Or most of them? No, actually. So we were in the process of rescheduling all of them. <laughs> uh, but the, the situation keeps developing. And we're not – we don't want to book a tour – that we're just going to have to postpone again. Yeah. Um, uh, the two Chicago shows are technically there. There, we we did reschedule those. But okay. I'm, that must be what I was thinking of. Yeah, the Chicago shows are October sixteenth and seventeenth, and maybe just maybe we can play them. But I don't know, and mm -hmm. I, I really it's still too soon to like really know that. Maybe Chicago will be better by October. Maybe not. I don't actually know. I don't know what to think anymore. Everything keeps getting pushed back further and further. You know, uh, I don't know if you saw it today, but L.A. just extended their stay-at-home order for another three months. Three months? Today. I did not see that. No. Yeah. Holy that's, shit. That's brand that happened today. Um, Man. 
So that's, that's, you know, obviously a bigger city than Chicago, but not that much bigger. And obviously right. Chicago's in the same boat usually, you know, as LA and New York. So yep. um, we're, you know, things aren't looking super positive, at least for shows happening, at least this summer. You know, I don't think that's likely. Mm -hmm. um, we might see restaurants and stuff open back up, you know, small capacity stuff, but I don't think we're going to see shows because I was talking to people and I don't think even if you did try to have like a social distancing show, how are you going to control the crowd? Yeah. How do you control even 50 people? You don't like you can't, you can't, you're not going to hire 10 security guards to make sure that people don't mosh or people don't move or people all have masks on. Like, yeah, you can require everyone to go to have a mask on when they come in the building, but they can just take it off, you know? Yes. Like, what what good is that going to do? And then you know there's a, you know concerns about air conditioning and things like that. Like you you start having shows in the summertime with an air conditioning unit that's just cycling air through the whole venue. You know a couple people have COVID in the venue, all of a sudden everyone gets COVID. You know yeah. it's like can we take that risk? Do we want to take? Does anyone want to take that risk? You know it's I you know I don't I don't know how the validity of that. I'm obviously not a virologist. I don't know enough about the medical field to actually make an accurate you know, risk assessment, but I think it's safe to say that, you know, we're going to be erring on the side of caution for the next three to four months. If anyone does shows at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious at what, uh, what you had heard at this point when venues do open back up, what, you know, maybe some things you've heard on, on how they're going to handle procedures or. You I've know, heard some things. Um, I, it, it looks like masks, you, you have to have a mask on to enter. That would be like step one. Obviously you could take it off after you got in, but I mean, you might, in order to even get in the building, you have to have a mask on, um, temperature checks. Um, now I don't know the cleanliness or the, the sin, the sanitary function, but I, 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 it's conceivable. You could hire a medical professional to take temperatures. Um, uh, anyone with over a hundred degrees temperature doesn't get admitted, um, just as a precaution, you know, obviously that doesn't mean you have COVID, but if you're even remotely sick, you don't get to go. Right. Um, and, um, I've heard that they might do, you know, capacities for, you know, like a 200, what, where a 200 capacity show would normally happen, they'd throw it in a venue that fits 700 just so people have space if they want it. Um, so you don't have to be like crammed in. Obviously, that takes away a little bit of the magic, but I think people would rather go to a show than not go to a show. Right. At this point, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm right there. You know, you know I, I'll, but like, then again, all it takes is a couple people to like kind of, you know, incite the the madness or what you know, like whatever you know. So some people, you know, if it's any sort of music with any sort of energy, it's like a couple people start moshing. People are going to forget. They're going to care. They're going to. Some people just won't care. Some yeah. people won't. No. Take any heed, and they'll be like, "Well, if I die, I die." You know, it's like <laughs> I, get it. Right. I get it, I get it. You know, and yeah. there's a lot of people taking that approach now because they're tired. They're they're they don't want to wait anymore, and they don't want to quarantine anymore because it's fucking. We're swimming against the stream, the current of human nature. You know, mm -hmm. 
we're being told to stay in and not do anything and not socialize and not interact. And that's the opposite of what humans do. We were not made to be like that. And, you know, obviously I don't condone people doing that, but there's also this element where like, how much longer do you think you can actually convince people to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's like a fine line. And, and I myself keep going back and forth in my brain. Like, I'll go one point and be like, oh, this isn't that bad. You know, I got this. And then it's like, oh, man, this this actually is pretty bad. And, yeah. you know, so I just keep going back and forth on like, I'm not going to I'm not going to keep doing this. And then then I'm like second guessing that <laughs> that thought. I'm like, well, wait a minute. So it's just this constant back and forth. And I think that's what trigger, triggers all the, the stress and anxiety that we're all feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard, man. It's like, like you just, you yearn for the normal life and you're just normal procedures of your life. And it's like, you know, people are going to just stop caring, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and it's just going to extend everything longer. And that's what's sad about it is that you can't blame people for being restless and stir crazy, but it's also like the more people that break, the more, the longer this is going to happen because it's just not, it's a numbers game. The virus is a big numbers game. You're just battling against how many people are infected out of the whole population, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. that's, and it's just trying to, it's that fucking flatten the curve shit where you're like, all right, how many people, how much stress can our hospital system hold? You know? And yeah. Cause uh, yeah, because they're not going to lift anything until the numbers start going down. Yeah. So, you know, and from the little bit, I haven't read anything yet today, because obviously the, this whole thing changes every day. But the last time I looked up something, I think it was yesterday, is that the it, everything is just kind of staying steady right now. It's kind of on a plateau. The last, the last I read anyway, wasn't, you know, necessarily getting better so it, it's slowly yeah. getting better right slowly. very slowly so yeah so it, it's you know it's kind of taking a little too long but yeah it's uh it, it'll be an it'll be a waiting game it's mm -hmm. a big waiting game and it's gonna go on for months you know like we're 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 gonna every month it's gonna be a new like update and a new reassessment of and it's, it's going to go state by state. And that's what I've been explaining to our fans is that like, yeah, you might live in Atlanta where like almost everything is back open. Yeah. But in Illinois, everything shut the fuck down. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What do you do with that? <laughs> you can't, uh, yeah. it's it's like, you, can't it's... you know, you could have a, you could have a show in one state and then you can't have a show in five other states. Yeah. Like, right. California is not doing Oh my God. California is not doing anything for months. Like, and I don't think they're having live events for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. It so certainly it's like, seems that way. And New York sure as shit isn't doing anything. They have, they have one sixth of all of the cases. Right. So it's like some of your best markets to play shows in, you can't even touch. Mm -hmm. So really what's the point? Like, yeah, you're not going to do a B market tour in the middle of a pandemic. Like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> Obviously. 
Sure, yeah, sure. No, you're good. Okay, I'm back. Oh, cool, cool. Everything good? Yeah. Okay, yeah, no. Cool. Uh, my next door neighbor like lent us a, a drum throne like a really long time ago, uh-huh. and he was like, and he was like, hey, I just remember that I gave you this three years ago. Can I have it back? And I was like, dude, I don't think we even have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got left at a like, venue somewhere in the United States, you know. Yeah, I was like, dude, I, that is lost cause. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is great. Yeah, so that's why. That's why I just had to get up for one Don't you love wait, it? Sorry, wait, wait, wait. That reminds me, I've got a Nintendo sixty-four. That's not mine. It's an ex-girlfriend's. <laughs> And I've had it since 2009 when (laughs) I graduated high school. It's never left my, you know, I I mean, it was at my parents originally, but now it's with me at my house. But like, she's never asked for it back or anything like that. And I'm just like, I get, well, there, there was one time where we were texting, um, and uh, I don't know, it was probably five years ago or something like that. So halfway at this point. And she's like, do you still have my family's N64? Because my brother was asking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I still have it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I guess it's mine at this point. But it's just so weird how um, those things come up and they happen, you know? Yeah, it was really weird. It was like my neighbor who never even talks to us was just like hey do you remember happening like honestly no i don't remember that <laughs> like dude that was probably like on the water parks tour and we probably left yeah, it so it was, it was a very long time ago yeah and i have no idea <laughs> Um, um, but what I was going to ask you, getting back to, you know, venues reopening and, and you yeah. hearing some possible regulations when things do open up, yeah. um, and hopefully, you know, maybe none of these things will have to be in place. Um, it won't have to be super severe because probably by the time it opens up, you know, numbers are going to be a lot lower than they are now, um, but I didn't know if, like, one thing that crossed my mind was if, like, an artist almost set up almost like a residency in certain cities and they played there, like, the whole week because they had to lessen the capacity so much for a show. I didn't know if things like that were... Yeah, I just feel like that's not practical. No, it's not. (laughs) It's like, okay, but who... Who's going to want to do that? Right. Yeah. It's just like, it's something that crossed my mind. Unless the tickets were like ungodly expensive. You know what I mean? And they would have to be probably. Every ticket's a (laughs) hundred dollars. Yeah. It would have to be because your capacity is going to be down. You're not using the full, you know, uh, cap of the room. And then you have to, you know, you have to play more than one show more than a few shows to make, you know, make that money. So, yeah. I feel like that's just not sustainable for fans or the band. Yeah. Probably the not. Fans, the fans won't want to pay that much money and the bands won't want to play the same set seven times in a row. <laughs> and also like, that's the, a nightmare for me. I would not want to do that. No. And the fans probably the wouldn't have that I mean? money. The fans wouldn't have that money either, no, but no one has the money. Yeah. It's Until just... like 80% of the country is back to work. You know what I mean? Like 
the, you know, a lot of those unemployed, you know, as long as, as soon as like, you know, a, a larger swath of the population is back to work and making money and not depending on unemployment and, you know, widespread testing, you know, the sort of like the, the herd immunity thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously a vaccine would really help, but not until all of those things are back to normal shows don't really seem likely because people don't have the money. It's too dangerous. They don't know who has COVID, who doesn't, because there's not widespread testing available. And there's no vaccine. So every time you set foot in any venue, I don't care if there's 50 people or 300 people, you're assuming risk. Right. Yep. It's very true. Because there's no way to monitor who's being allowed in those shows. Mm-hmm. And even with temperature checks and masks, there's a lot of asymptomatic carriers of, of COVID-19 that are that show no symptoms. Yes. You have a virus, but it's not doing anything to you. doesn't give you a fever. So how are you supposed to know? You don't. And you might have just gave it to five people at that show. Yeah, and with the, the ventilation, like we were talking about yeah. earlier as well. Yeah. So that's a big thing. A lot of these venues are older. Ventilation systems aren't that great. Venues weren't clean places to begin with. Right. Exactly. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) what's that? (laughs) Who's that? He said that the number of venues I won't even shit in is a big number. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so true. Man, there's, uh, I was trying to think of, I can't remember the name of the venue. And I want to say it was in Oklahoma City, maybe? That makes sense. 89th Street Collective. <laughs> it, what's that? 89th Street Collective. No. Um, God, I mean, it was such a long time. It was such a long time ago when I was there. I can't remember what the name was, but it was like the the sh- one of the shittiest places that I'd ever seen. I think it's the same venue. It, it could very well be, and I want to say it was yeah, Oklahoma City. Called something else, but when we played there before your song, it was called the 89th Street Collective. Okay. I mean, super duper small. I mean. Um. Yeah. Was it in the middle of nowhere? And he parked in the back. It was like a gravel parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Same venue. Yeah, same venue. That's the one we're talking about. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of what what it was called, but yeah, that probably is the same venue. But um, there's not a whole lot of venues in Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Good point. Yeah. No, you don't got a whole lot of options in Oklahoma City. Yeah. You you got a good point. Yeah, because this was in 2013, so. You know, that's been like seven years ago now. But yeah, that, that that was the first one I could think of that was super uncleanly. The bathroom was just, I don't even remember. Oh. It was terrible. That, that's all I remember. <laughs> so, but, um, and yeah, like I didn't even, when we pulled up to the place, I was like, is this the venue? Like, are we there or did we, <laughs> did we get lost? Like, just couldn't yeah. figure it out. Is this an outhouse with a stage? <laughs> right. Yeah. It just it and the area seemed very unsafe. You know, like yeah. it, it seemed very not ideal. Yeah, very slummy. Um, you know, and not really a a place for business area, if I remember. It it seemed like I don't know. It it was random. But anyway, um so with you know everything being shut down until further notice. And that seems like it's going to be, you know, a long ways away. What are, 
some things that you know fans can do to help bands but also it, it goes more it goes beyond the bands it, it it's all about the the venue system we have and um mm-hmm. especially the independent venues that aren't necessarily tied to like live nation or anything like that what what are um some ways that people can can help the scene as we know it stay alive because it like we're talking it sounds like this is going to be a long time yeah i mean i don't i don't have all the answers here like because it's you're you're putting people in a rock and a hard place right they you your people aren't making any money or a lot of people aren't making any money so but all these places don't have any money either and everyone's asking for donations because the federal government is not taking proper care of small businesses. And, you know, there's been a lot of mismanaged money, a lot of uh, poorly allocated funds to large corporations that applied for small business loans. Um, Potbelly was one uh, that I saw that was like kind of ridiculous, you know, a chain with over 50 stores applying for a small business loan. Right. is pretty ridiculous getting like $10 million from the federal government when they aren't exactly hurting the same way the mom and pop store down the street is. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave the money back to their credit. Uh, Unfortunately, it was after public pressure, but they did give the money back. They were honorable about it. But, you know, a lot of instances like that, lots of different larger chains uh, getting poorly, poorly misrepresented allocated funds uh, and venues aren't getting them, you know, and some of the venues are lucky like B kitchen. um, They have, they have a kitchen. So they've been doing like to go orders, and carry out and stuff, but that's not exactly giving them the same type of money that a show does, right. you know, um, not even close. Um, they're lucky if it even makes a dent what one night of show was. So these venues either they're going to stick it out or they're not, you know, I mean, you can do as many GoFundMes as you want, but like, unless these owners that own these venues have capital saved up or are willing to take losses to keep, whatever their business alive, knowing that it will resume to normal. The, the silver lining is that this will get better eventually. Like yes. it, there will be, you know, a, over two thirds of the population will become infected or have had it before. It will become more like the flu eventually, just not quick enough for any of our patients. You know, I think it's, you know, we are, I think still, you know, a solid six months out from any sort of vaccine, maybe eight months out from a vaccine. Probably, you know, and that's that's being optimistic, I think. Yeah. So I think people's patience is just going to be thin. You know, I hope these venues survive. I hope I hope we have a lot of our our small venues (coughs) when this is over. Because small venues make the the music scene go around, you know, and I I fear that they, they, they don't have a way to make money. You know, you know, at least if you're a band, you know, you're people are still listening to music. Like that's not going anywhere. So streaming is still happening. Less, a little less than normal because people aren't commuting, you know, but bands can still sell merch and we can still, we still have streaming and, um, you know, things like using Twitch, which is what our band has been doing. Uh, so like, you know, you're now we, you can subscribe to our Twitch channel for a small fee um, and get perks and stuff like that. <clears throat> that's a new business model that we're sort of experimenting with. But, you know, what's a venue to do? How are they supposed to shows and beer sales is their cash? You can't do either. 
So I, I don't have the answers for the venues. I don't know how to uh, rectify that. Yeah. Um, I, other uh, than having kids. Right. And and the, the smaller ones are the ones I worry about because they are already kind of, um, you know, there, there's not as many of, of them as there used to be. And like you said, we really need those small venues to um, to keep – <clears throat> stirring up and, and bringing up new acts and that's for any genre you know so yeah yeah so i i don't i don't know what venues are supposed to do and i think that's the hardest part is that a lot of them are asking for funding or they're asking they're they're starting gofundmes but a lot of those gofundmes aren't even for the venue it's for the venue staff you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah these gofundmes aren't necessarily for keeping the venue there it's for paying the for the owner trying to help out his staff because you're talking about tipped employees. You're talking about, you know, most, a lot of people that work at venues are usually also the bartender or they're, you know, they're not necessarily getting an hourly wage that's high because a lot of them are servers and sound guys. And, you know, like they're, they do a lot, you know? Yeah, so exactly. It put, you know, the service industry, I think accounts for most of the people out of work. You know, I really do. I think that's obviously what's been hit the hardest. Um, not that other people didn't get, you know, let go and stuff like other industries, obviously you can't be around people. You can't be around people, but you know, the most fundamental service industry jobs like bartenders, venue workers, um, those are really like, just what are you supposed to do? You know, my other, you know, I literally lost all of my forms of income in one day. Uh, you know, I, I'm a musician, a bartender, and in my other, my, my third revenue stream is events. I do like DJing weddings and parties and stuff like that and uh that is definitely not on the table either so it was like all of a sudden it was like wow every method of make, making money i've ever known is now completely gone yeah <laughs> so it's hard man Damn. i don't i don't have a. have been trying to figure out what i can do in this meantime and i'm you know i'm coming up empty a lot you know i I don't, I don't have a whole lot of, you know, I was thinking about launching a clothing line and I might still do that, but that's, you know, people, again, people don't have disposable income. They're not working. You know, they're getting checks from the government and, you know, they're getting, you know, unemployment benefits if they've gotten through, but you know, that doesn't mean they got tons of money to spend on clothes, you know? So I, I'm coming up empty with like revenue streams, but doing, doing the best I can. That's what uh, we should, um, I should ask on our, our uh, social media pages. What should Jake of Sleep on It do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make it more open ended. Just like what? Sh what? How do you think bands should go about making money from this point on? That's true. That's a that's a very good open discussion right there. Yeah, I think it's that's it's, that's an important open discussion, and it's you know that's a a good hive mind to have just of music industry people. That's a good topic. You know, it's yeah. important to talk about. No, definitely. And you brought up Twitch and I, I had yeah. seen that, um, that sleep on it's been doing that. And every single Twitch you've done is all, it's been cooking, right? Yes. Well, no. no. Um, so sleep on it did, we, we were doing like Ted talks with uh -huh. TJ on Tuesdays and that was not cooking. Okay. That was like, um, he basically just answered questions. He's done a couple different things where like he's either he did, he played a video game on his last one for fun, mm -hmm. but he also just did like an open, he did like a music video walkthrough, like watching every sleep on it music video and talking about anecdotes from each video. Oh, that's cool. Um, and, uh, last night Zach did, uh, uh, his own Ted talk on Tuesday 
but he listened through Pride and Disaster in full and like talked about each song. Oh man, I'm sad I missed that. I did not see yeah, that was happening. Well, the great thing about Twitch is that it saves the live stream. You can go and watch it right now. Oh really? Oh, that would yeah. be awesome. So the cool thing about Twitch that isn't like Instagram and Facebook Live. Well, Facebook Live it saves it for a while, but Instagram you can only see it for 24 hours. If you right. do a live stream, um, Twitch they stay up there. You can watch every Twitch stream we've done thus far. Okay. Wow, that's yeah, really so you cool. You can go back and watch them. Uh, we've done four cooking shows and four TED Talks. So. Yeah, I guess the only ones I've seen are the cooking ones because I'm friends with you on Facebook and right. and you know I follow you on Twitter and stuff and I, I see yeah. um, I see the cooking ones and it always instantly makes me hungry. Of course, <laughs> um, especially the calzone one, dude. Uh, what was it? Attack of the calzone. Attack uh, of the calzone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what? Uh, you know, speaking of cooking, what I know that's one thing you've obviously been doing with your time in quarantine. What's like the best recipe that you've made or maybe invented during this stay at home time? Um, so I've, I've made a bunch of different stuff um, while I've been home. Uh, some of them like so I, I, I subscribe to HelloFresh, um, which is like a meal delivery service. Yeah, I've never um, tried so it, but did, I've heard of it. It's excellent. Um, and I, I take some of those recipes and I sort of like will embellish them. So I've been making these barbecue pineapple like flatbreads that are really, really great. Oh, my um, gosh. That yeah, sounds super so good. Um, and, uh, you know, I made like I have like a pretty signature uh, mac and cheese dish that I made. That was the first episode of Cooking from J to Z. Um, but you know, I think part of the fun in the cooking show is that sometimes I make stuff I've never made before. Oh, like yeah. the calzone, I'd never made a calzone before. I had, I had fuck all know what I was doing. I, <laughs> I, was, I know it's basically a reverse pizza, but like, I've never done that before. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'd never really like assembled one. So, you know, part of the fun is like, uh, there is a degree of trial and error. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good cook. My mom is a chef and so is my sister. So it's definitely in the family, um, but it is fun to try stuff that I'm not necessarily well-versed in um, on the show. So I'm trying to like some days, you know, stuff that I'm very familiar with and I can make well, but other days it's like, all right, well, I don't really do this. Let's do, let's, let's give it a try. And so I think we're trying to have fun with it. Um, we've made all the episodes. We're going to make the first nine episodes anywhere are going to be all Star Wars themed um every episode as is a is a like a play on the word on the title of one of the of the next episode in the saga right so (laughs) i love that yeah it's it's been it's been fun it keeps my mind sharp trying to come up with like you know quirky food puns on star wars yeah so (laughs) the the last one you did which episode are you on then uh we will be on five now Okay. Do you, um, do you watch that episode while you're cooking that particular star Wars episode? No, I feel like that'd be like a sensory overload. It probably would be because you're already doing like, the Twitch thing. Yeah. You know. That would be cool, but also like probably entirely too distracting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause it's already me and Zach in the kitchen with music happening and we're drinking oh, okay. and making food. So it's oh, like... damn. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of sensory overload, drinking music, food, Twitch, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot going on. It would be. It's a lot. So. 
That's cool though. See, I've I've never like I've heard of Twitch for quite a while now. I've got a lot of friends that that do Twitch, but I just I haven't dived into it yet. But you're you're oh, making dude, me want we barely, to. We barely even knew what it was until the quarantine happened. Mm-hmm. Like we heard about it from a few friends. Like um, the first person I really knew that was using Twitch was uh, Dan Lampton from Real Friends. Yeah, he's he's big on he's a on big Twitch. Twitch user, and he, he's a big gamer, and. Um, he was the first person I really saw like advertising that he was using Twitch a mm-hmm. lot, you know? Um, and, but I, even, even then that's all, that's how I heard of it, but I didn't dive into it. Like I didn't use it. This is the first time we've ever actually used Twitch and like actively tried to like up our subscribers and like really go for it. Um, but you know, a lot of me, you know, a lot of people were like, when we talked about the pandemic happening and like everything getting canceled, people were like, well, people are using Twitch for everything, not just video games. Like, you're a band. People want to see you guys in general. You can, you don't have to play music every time you're on there. In fact, you don't have to play music at all. Like you can do a cooking show or you can mm-hmm. do a Ted talk or you can do a vid- You can do video games if you want to. So we're like, all right, cool. So Zach and Ted and I, we bought like little GoPros that we just hook up to our MacBooks, And yeah, we just do a Twitch stream. You know, you, most of them are about an hour to two hours long. It's been fun, man. It's like, it's a nice, uh, it gives our live schedule. It's like we know every Saturday we got to do the cooking show. <laughs> and you know, it's like having a schedule, I think, is really important in this time. Like having structure in your life is really important. Mm-hmm. So having your own like shows on this Twitch stream, whether or not a ton of people are watching it or not, is relatively irrelevant because I think the fans that are watching are really appreciative of it. It's, it's entertainment for them. It helps us, helps them connect with us as a band they like and then helps us feel normal and connected to our fans. So it's been a very like binary, like good quality new thing that we're trying out. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad that you guys are finding that Avenue a way to stay connected and, you know, way to get some, a little money in the door too. Yeah. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't think it's making us a whole lot, but uh, you know, there's no reason to stop doing it. You know, even when this is over per se, we could keep doing it. Why, why not? It's yeah. only an hour or two out of our time once a week, you know, or twice a week. So that's not like a huge time commitment. Um, like, so even when this is over, I can still keep doing the cooking show. Right. And people, you know, it will slowly over time gain fans, just like anything. So screw it. It's fun. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to go watch some of those <laughs> for sure. I'm going to go Dude, back. Zach and I have a really good time. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> maybe too good of a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Um, so, what other things have you been doing with yourselves during this quarantine process? I know I saw one day you tried using one of those ab rollers, and yeah. it sounded like that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I because <laughs> I've never used one either. Yeah. I'd never used one before. They always kind of scared me. Um, but, you know, like the quarantine started and, you know, I, I kind of handled it not well, just like everyone else. And, uh, you know, first like three weeks, I just kind of sat on my butt and watched Netflix and, you know, drank beer and White Claw and stuff. But, you know, now I'm at this point where I'm like, if I don't use my time productively and like at least try to like better myself in some way, be it physically, mentally, whatever – um, then I'm going to go crazy. So I was like, you know, look, I'm going to do something I 
never would do normally. And I'm, I'm going to buy an ab roller. Fuck it. <laughs> um, you know, like what it, it's small. It's compact. It's compact. Doesn't take up a lot of room. And I heard they really work, you know, like they, they, they really like, you know, do help you, know, you get strength in your abdomen. So I was like, fuck it. Um, and I bought one and you know what? It works. Um, yeah. <laughs> It hurts like fucking hell. But <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, it, it is absolutely not fun to use. It's not fun to use, but, uh, you know, I'm glad I bought it. I work it into my body workouts. Um, it's cool. <laughs> um, besides ab rolling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's your new uh, hobby, ab rolling. It's, ab rolling is my new hobby. Uh, <laughs> roll out my abs. Um <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing like, like digital FaceTimes with my my personal trainer Kieran. Um, so like you know, instead of in person, you know, he'll kind of just FaceTime me, tell me to do X workout, and then you know that's like you know it's a little shorter than it would be if I was at the gym, but it helps me stay active. I've been riding my bike, which you know I kind of obviously now it's getting warmer now. That's like more feasible. Right. Um. So I'm doing that and yeah, I've been playing guitar a bunch, man. Just trying to like up my, my playing chops. Um, been sort of diving into uh, learning how to use logic 10, which is a recording software program. So I can record my own musical ideas better. Is logic still a big, I mean, yeah. I guess it, it, it kind of comes and goes. Like I feel like I hear people that are using it a lot and then, no one's using it and then they start using it again. And I just haven't heard anyone bring up logic in a while. I think it depends on like how good the newest version is. You know what I mean? Compared to pro which is like the industry standard. Right. Um, But logic 10 is uh, a lot of people really like it. I like it. Uh, TJ and Zach also use it to record their ideas. So I'm just, we're all kind of, you know, as a band, you know, it's easier if you're all using the same platform. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I just was like, I got nothing to lose by, I have nothing but time. And, you know, it's always been sort of intimidating for me. I've always been more of a player and not someone who records stuff. Um, But I was like, if there's a time to learn, it's right now. Like I got all this free time every day. Why not learn how to record music at my own home? Not to say that I would never go to a studio again or try and self-produce my records, but like, you know, it always has, it's always better to have your ideas in high quality reverse to just like a note on your phone. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Especially like, you know, I mean, this is also a perfect time for bands to be writing new songs, you know, for, you know, a, any type of new release, whether it's a single or another record or whatever. So, um, and the fact that, is it just you and Zach that live together or is it? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that you two live together probably helps a lot. It does. Yeah, it does. We collaborate, and it's cool. Awesome. Um, so, speaking of recording and everything, you know, I, I'm, last time we spoke, uh, I mentioned, you know, I, I had listened to Pride and Disaster a billion times since it was mm-hmm. released. It's seriously one of the, the best records um, of the last year. And, and honest, honestly, beyond that, I think this record um is gonna age really well um i appreciate that you're welcome and it it just really you guys really stepped up your game on pride and disaster i think it really brought you up to a new level and i hope more and more people discover 
this this album you know through this pandemic and I, I, I kind of later found out that I think w- one of the reasons that probably helped me like that record is because I know you worked with Kyle Black on that one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we and, sure did. And when I found out who Kyle has worked with and, and what rec- other records he's worked on, I'm like, that makes sense because I love those records too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And absolutely. So, so what was, I mean, anytime a band you know, goes through a, an album cycle, they always learn something new. It's always a different era for them. So what's been the, like the most important thing or one of the biggest things you learned through the, the pride and disaster, um, recording and, and pre-production and post-production and, you know, I, I think our band doesn't love LA as much as other bands do. <laughs> um, that's not to shame LA, uh, but I think, you know, there's an argument that can be made that maybe this is part of what made Pride and Disaster so bad, but I, it was so good as an album. But when we recorded it, we were collectively in the worst mental shape I think we'd ever been as a band. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were straight miserable. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either, but like the whole band was extremely stressed out. Um, so basically the way that the record came to be, at least the studio time came to be booked was um, we had just sort of, we had finished Warp Tour um, and we had, you know, done um, the we had after warp we took like a little bit of time off then we did the with confidence broadside tour which was really great but it turned out that we didn't have a ton of time between warped ending in august and we were so burnt out from warp tour um and, and not like in a necessarily in a bad way but warp was one of the most exhausting and you know, tons of bands will say this it's one of the most exhausting, strenuous, mentally and physically tours ever. Yeah. Amazing in every way and completely a, a landmark in our career. And I'll literally never forget it or talk ill of it in any real specific way other than the fact that it was extremely difficult to do. Um, that we took like a solid month and a half off as a band. We didn't write. We didn't even practice because we needed a break because it was a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, late September and you know, the label and our management was like, you guys need a new record. You got to start thinking about this. You know, it's been almost a year since overexposed came out. Um, you guys should probably start at least writing and then, you know, record it in, you know, early winter of next year. So you can have a new record by the summer. We're like, fuck, we weren't really thinking about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't on our, it, we didn't think it had to be that soon. Of course, it, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but at the time, we, our minds weren't there. No, especially when you're, you know, busy on Warp Tour and then, you yeah. know, a tour yeah. after that, you know, a, like you said, I mean, Warp Tour completely can kind of consumes you. It's, uh, you know, because there's just so much work. You know, so there's so much work that happens just in one day of that tour. It's a long yeah. day. It was one of the craziest things I've ever done, but needless, that's not really here or there, but we, you know, it was like late September, early October. And we are like, fuck guys, we got to start writing some songs. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, we got you know, we 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 need to the fans are going to want a full length and you know, we have, you know, like the labels talking about it and we're like, okay, like we got to do something about this. And it just it kind of snuck up on us, you know. And it was like, oh, um we have a couple written, but not like 10 or you know 15 like you know you would want for a, a new record so you can you know demo out 15 to 20 and then pick 10 mm-hmm. so we wrote some together before the before the withcon broadside tour then ted kind of wrote a few on the road and then it was like then we were like on the tour we were like Guys, we're booking your studio time for January 3rd. <laughs> Man. And that was a November tour. So it was yeah. like... Wow. So so you're saying we're going to start recording our first, our second full-length record in a month and a half? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, is that the only time that Kyle Black and Mike Green have? And we're like, they were like, yeah. And we're Ooh. like, shit. <laughs> yeah. I would say the same thing. Yeah. Now, luckily... We we took it in stride, I think, and it's a credit to uh, TJ's songwriting ability, and it's also a credit, I think, definitely to Mike Green and Kyle Black for being able to like help us hash out more rough ideas and turning them into good songs. Um, and I, you know, we we managed, you know, getting eleven songs recorded, you know, for Pride and Disaster. You know, we put ten on the record. And we saved Falling Further Faster uh, kind of as like a, its own B-side single release. Um, so we, we made it happen. But it was done in an exact opposite way that we recorded and wrote Overexposed. Overexposed was written in my basement with all of us, all five of us, um, playing the songs through and kind of going through them piece by piece over months of time. And we didn't get to do that with Pride and Disaster. It wasn't the same formatting, um, at least in the way we wrote them. We still, it was, they were still collaborative songs. We shared ideas and we, you know, especially in the studio, we kind of would, would bounce things off, of, off each other. But I think going forward, um, the band is going to try and do the next record more like how we did Overexposed, where we have, we take a whole month, you know, to do pre-production alone without outside factors and without producers there so we can really hash out the parts before we go into the studio so we were you know a little bit more prepared yeah and that not to say that pride and disaster came out bad because it definitely didn't and a lot of people <laughs> like it like it more than our other records um or they like it on the same level but i think as a band we ended up being kind of Certain certain songs and certain like parts of the record felt like we could have done more with it, maybe, and it, it just doesn't feel a hundred percent complete or like completely thought out. I, mm. I don't know how to say that without because I'm trying not to make it sound negative because it's not. No, no, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's more of the process of writing songs and how the songs flow with each other where overexposed have like an ebb and flow that we, that I still really like about the record mm-hmm. where pride doesn't have quite the same flow. It kind of, it's a collection of songs that make sense together, but it doesn't have its own flow as a record. 
Yes, I, I get what that, you're saying. I get what you're saying. That's a personal opinion of mine. You know, TJ and Zach might, might disagree with me on that, but that for me, it doesn't flow as well as the last record. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. It's not necessarily the whole band. Right. Um, so, but the record, what we, I think what we learned while recording Prime Disaster is what we want from a producer, what we want sonically things to sound like more than we ever have previously. And I think we've learned what truly makes sleep on it, sleep on it, which I think is really important for a band, you know, uh, going into recording their, their next album, you know, their third album and a band that's, you know, roughly five years into their career, you know, we're kind of at this like point that some bands never get past, you know, you know, you're too, you, you, a lot of bands put out two full length records and an EP and then they just don't do anything more, you know, they break up or they just can't, handle the industry or something goes wrong. You know, there's a lot of things that happen to bands. So, you know, obviously we have no intention of doing any of those things, but I feel like we finally know what makes the sleep on a song, the sleep on a song. And, you know, until we finished Pride and Disaster, we weren't really sure, you know, it was like, it still felt too soon to say that because we only had 18 songs or something like that. You know, we only had, now we have like 32 and it's like, you know, we, we have this body of work and you can really listen to the whole discography, all of the songs we put out and be like, these elements are what people like about our band. Um, and I can say that with like more confidence than I could before um, because we wrote another batch of songs, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that's like really important thing that came out of the recording friend disaster because there was a lot of trial and error and it didn't, it just, the recording process wasn't smooth. You know, I, uh, the other guys have gone on record before, but you know, we didn't have the most eye to eye experience with Kyle. Um, he not to discredit his professionalism in any way, but he's a very dry producer and we're, we're used to a lot of producers with a lot more positive reinforcement. So he's very hard to read as a producer to know if we were doing a good job or not. Yeah, that's hard. If he even liked the song that much. And Mm -hmm. he would always, when we asked him, he was like, yeah, this song's awesome. But the way he was so deadpan and the way he reacted to takes and to listening to through to stuff, his enthusiasm level was hard to gauge. Mm -hmm. So we were like, well, did you like that take? Did you like that song? Do you you like how this sounds? (laughs) And he would always give us very like short, sort of hard to really quantify answers yeah i'm I'm and sorry that was no that's fine and that was sort of a challenge for us because it was very polar opposite to seth henderson at abg who's a very like positive forward person when it comes to takes and songs he really gets jazzed about music when it comes out well yes he does Um, and we didn't have we didn't really know what we were in for with with Kyle, and again, this is not to professional because he is great at his job. Yes, he, I mean, Pride of Disaster sounds awesome. Like it sounds good. Like it was good tracking and you know good producing. Um, you know, and Mark McCluffy mixed it and it sounds fantastic. It it came out well. So like the end product is really what matters, but the process matters too. Um, and for us, I think recording with Kyle was more stressful than we expected. Mm. Um, and 
you know, because all you know, producers are a lot like bands. They they all work a little different. They're not. There is no cut and dry producer type. Uh, they, all of them, at least all the ones we've worked with, all work in their own sort of parameters, in their own universe. They do it a certain way, and that way works for them, and that's how we're going to do it. Right. You know. And um, I, I think that's why it's always so interesting to work with multiple ones instead of just the same one because it's like, oh. It's like, uh, it's like, this is different. It's like, I like this or I don't like this, you know? And obviously you guys found that out. You can learn things from different producers. Experimenting. I think, I think as a band, unless you have just this golden track record, even then, um, I think as a band, it behooves you to try different producers. I really do. Um, you can learn things from, um, so, uh, you know, and even, you know, with difficulty, we still had, you know, we still learn things from Kyle and Mike. Um, so I think it's all a learning curve. Every album you do is, in, is a learning curve and it helps you become a better band. It, um, it sounds like it really shaped you guys. It, it really did. <laughs> it, 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 you know, with, with the positive came the negative and, you know, it, 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 it definitely like put us off to a rocky start in 2019 I had to figure out what year it was for a second. <laughs> yeah, um, what year is it? What year? <laughs> is um, it 2021 yeah. already? Like it, it's yeah, just what, been what so time? long already. Uh, yeah, but it, it put it put us off to you know the, the process of recording the record put us off to a rocky start in 2019. Uh, made it definitely made us like uneasy as a band uh, because it was so stressful and we were we were stretched really thin and we you know we we stayed in a very <laughs> shitty Airbnb in Van Nuys, California all together all the five of us together just sort of cocooned in our own northern la hemisphere like we we none of us had any money so we couldn't like go hang out in la much you know mm-hmm. we did you know we all went to a few parties and a couple you know i have lots of friends in la but i didn't have the money to go out in la you know we didn't have a you know a, a a recreational stipend from the label or anything like that to work with. You didn't? Yeah, yeah no, what? definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Which, which isn't like, that's not something that's common. You know, that's obviously like a major label thing. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah that's a, very much a labor. Like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a major label. So. We just finished a tour right before it. Right. Um, so it definitely like, but, you know, to to our credit and to the credit of the music itself, you know, it all ended up working out all right. You know, we had, uh, you know, we debuted at number nine on the Heat Seekers chart with Pride and Disaster, and, you know, it sold, you know, a really strong number of copies its first, you know, couple weeks. Um, and, you know, it's been streamed like three million times now. It's, it's awesome. So That's it's like, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got, you know, it's got legs, and I think, I think you're right. I think, I think over time people will come to appreciate it uh, more and more, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, if... so, yeah, I'm I'm grateful for how difficult the process is because I think it made us stronger. You know, it's like it it pushed us to our limits and it made us stressed and and unbelievably, uh, you know, out of our own minds. But it, you know, it pushed us to be a better band, and I think we have nothing but gratefulness for that. And I, you know, it it sounded like to me there were it's just multiple things being thrown at you at once, like so many new experiences happening at one time it sounds like one of the things was actually going through what what it's really be like to be that band that 
tours all the time, you know, cause yeah. how does a band that tours all the time, how do you make a record? You know, you're, you're like, you're supposed to put out new music constantly. And how do you do that when you're playing all these shows and you're all, you know, in, in different States and different countries? It's it, it, uh, I would imagine it, you don't, it's probably hard to think about because you're working you're and you're going to different places every single day. So you're not thinking, Oh, I should probably work on some songwriting, you know, like that's probably the last thing you're thinking of. Cause you know, you get sick on tour. So then you got to deal with that. And then, you know, whatever else happens on tour, all, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure it, it, it sounds like it just kind of came up and, and, and bit, you know, bit you guys a little bit and i i would definitely see that happening to myself too and i feel like that's probably i'm sure if you you like sat down and you talked to so many other bands in the industry they would probably say they all had the same experience with you know like their second album you know yeah yeah it's well you know it's every band lives in fear of their own sophomore slump yes yes there's a lot of stories of very big bands very successful bands that put out a record that isn't right for the time or isn't right for their fan base or blah, 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 blah. There's a bunch of examples of it. And, you know, we were cowering in fear of that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, I think we're just generally relieved. We didn't completely like blow it, you know, or yeah. do too much or do not enough. You know, we put out the record we need to put out, I think. And that's really ultimately all that matters is we didn't take a misstep you know, because, um, you know, sometimes people think LP2 is the time to, like, branch out and get weird. And, like, I think, you know, sometimes that works, but sometimes it's, it blows, it shoots yourself in the foot. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I agree with that. There's, like you said, there's so many examples. I'm sure you and I could go back and forth all day on, like, oh, there's this record, and then there's that yep. record. And yep. this band did that, and this band did this. And, yeah, it's, and I think considering the the pressure that's there too i think that has so much to do with it too um from you know if you have a your first record is is very successful then it's like oh man i gotta do this again like <laughs> you know how how am i gonna do that mm-hmm. so but it, i it sounds like to me that you guys you know you finished out and you came out brighter and shinier on the other side absolutely so I'm I'm happy to hear that because I I really really believe in you guys and um, I really love what you're doing and thanks man yeah you're welcome and um, I'll uh, I'll always support you guys thanks man we really appreciate that yeah you're welcome um, I really appreciate your time like this this has no been problem. great I know <laughs> I think we I I talked to you like when I first started doing this like four years ago and um, it it just never worked out because of distance and things. And I'm glad that we could finally sit down and, and talk. Yeah, absolutely, so, man. I so. mean, I, you know, I don't know how much time we want to talk, but if you have any other questions or stuff about music or anything like that, because we spent the first half hour talking about the pandemic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like, if you have any I mean, other, I've got, um, Dude, I've got I I could go all day. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we don't want to go all day. But if you have if you have anything else you'd like to ask, because I I tend to be very long winded with my responses, which 
for some people it's great and some people it's not. So. No, I think um, it's great. I love it. I love it when <laughs> I love it when someone has a lot to say um, yeah. and they say it well. And you're definitely one of those. So thank you. Yeah. I um, right, let's get into some more fun questions because sure. you are such a fun guy. And I wanted to like, you know, I didn't quite complete the list because I was like, you know what? It's like, I'm going to do something a little different. And I think Jake is the right guy to do it with. (laughs) Um, I was going to come up with 20 random questions to like answer quickly, but I didn't quite make it that far um, Mm -hmm. because I didn't have quite enough time to uh, prep. I still, you know, I still got to like nine or eight, but, you Um, know, I'm going to... I'm going to throw these at you. Um, Sure. Hit me. All right. So Patrick Stump or Brendan Urie? Um, So remove. (laughs) 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 It's a hard question because there is a obvious personal bias. I love both a lot, but I, I, I love Pat, you know, Fall Boy's my favorite band. Uh, Panic's probably more in the top 10, but probably at the bottom of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, as far as ability, Brendan is uh, superior. I think he, he has more vocal talent overall. However, I think as a producer and as a multi-instrumentalist, I think Patrick might be better overall as a musician because he can do more. That guy not- can do so much. It's amazing. He's a drummer, he can play trumpet, he can play guitar, bass. Like, he's got keys, he can do anything. It's amazing. So can Brendan. They're both extremely talented people. Um, but I think strictly from, like, a melodic and production standpoint, that's what puts Patrick over the top. Because oh, okay. he's produced, not only is he part of all my favorite Fall Boy records, obviously, but he also helped co-write some of my other favorite songs by some of my other favorite bands and like his guest vocals on so many band songs are so great. Um, and as much as I love Brandon Yuri, a lot of his guest vocals are kind of lackluster, to be honest. He's best when he's within panic at the disco, like he's within his setting. He is amazing, but his guest appearances on songs are somewhat lackluster to me. Uh, but I think Patrick shines in almost every one he does. I think you've been think, asked that question probably so many times, haven't you? <laughs> you actually, not directly. Um, I think it's something that me and Zach talk about a lot uh-huh. because we're we're such big fans of both, you know. And yeah. it, it it is a it is a you know a topic that people touch on a lot on the internet and stuff like that. But I don't think I've ever been directly asked it in an interview question. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I think I know the answer to this one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead anyway. In sync or Backstreet Boys? It's in sync. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one, I was like, I was trying to think. I was like, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna try it. Um, PBR, Hard T, or White Claw? Um, the uh, the Hard T I just tried. It's good, but it is not nearly as good as the best White Claw flavors. Okay, so speaking of White Claw, if you sure. could, if you had the choice to come up with a white cloth flavor, what would it be? I would probably do either a pomegranate or like a blood orange would be really fun. Ooh. I know they have a tangerine, but not 
But blood orange is like kind of a different flavor. Yeah. So I think I think blood orange or pomegranate would be really great. I thought they had pomegranate already. They do not. They do not. They have pomegranate truly, but they do not have pomegranate. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. I knew one of them did. (laughs) Yeah, that 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 would would, and I I also think they should make a proper pineapple flavored white claw. They have the seventy calorie one. But I think they should probably make like a full, like just a regular version of the pineapple. Was that like a diet? Yeah, it's not, it's it's okay. Huh, that's weird. Yeah. I did not know that existed. It does, yeah. They have two, they have uh, clementine and pineapple. The connoisseur. Yeah, the claw claw connoisseur marquee over here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, where, so, yeah, where's I, that endorsement? You know, where I'm going to. Funny enough, we, we do have a good relationship with White Claw. White Claw, if you did not know, is based in Chicago. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, yeah they're owned by Mike's Hard Lemonade. Okay. Um, and uh, their marketing team has been to a couple of sleep on it shows. So That's awesome. We've actually gotten some free product and I have a cooler and a belt and some other random White Claw well, things. The belt is bizarre, but it's awesome. <laughs> I wore it to a what? wedding. Is it like a like a belt like it's got like a belt buckle kind of deal or it doesn't have a belt buckle. It's it's like it's almost like one of those like old scene kid belts that like it's like all over white claw print, like a Louis Vuitton style white claw. <laughs> it's kinda ugly, but I love it. Oh man, that yeah, that's perfect to wear at a wedding. I mean, why not, I, dude? I, I did it just for kicks, but you know, hey. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta keep that that uh, that thing in prime condition, you know. That's yeah, absolutely. It's collector's <laughs> item right there, man. Dude, you gotta polish that baby every four days. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you've been doing with your spare time. Yeah, my spare time has been polishing my white claw belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, okay, so out of the three Star Wars trilogies, the original, prequel, or sequels? Uh-huh. Oh boy. <laughs> I know. I did see the other day you mentioned Rogue One, which is, you know, one of the standalones. Yeah, but that doesn't really count. That, that doesn't it. count in the, the trilogy aspect, though. Which trilogy is best? Because that's how you're right. Which trilogy is the best? Is the original four, five, six is the best. Yeah. Um, I think without, without really any uh, argument from me. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think most people probably agree with that. I, I do find a lot of value in the other ones, though. I, I, I think the other ones get a lot of hate and uh, somewhat undeserving. I completely agree on that. And so is Rogue One actually your favorite? It's not my favorite, ultimately. Uh, my favorite's actually Return of the Jedi. Okay. My, my favorite is Return of the Jedi. My favorite's Return of the Jedi. Empire is right behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, dude, I love... Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that was that was my favorite growing up. Yeah. Yeah, Return of the Jedi was definitely my favorite growing up. We just watched them. They're both so good. Zach is fired up over here. I, I hear that. I love it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I will say Return of the Best opening. You just saw your whole household back. Here. Man, I just asked the right question, didn't I? Yeah, you just opened up fucking Ray's box, dude. <laughs> <laughs> situation I mean, there's so many reasons why 
Return of the Jedi is amazing, you know? I mean, besides, like, all the amazing action, and I love the way it opens up, I mean, we get to see Carrie Fisher in that yeah. bikini, Yeah. you know? I mean... Yeah, because true stages of the galaxy, the Ewoks We love the Ewoks Avenger. Exactly! Who doesn't love Ewoks? Cute little furry babies. Mm-hmm. Um, Jurassic Park or Jurassic World? Oh, God, dude. <laughs> um, Jurassic Park, hands down, no contest. It's not even really close. Yeah, I uh, I, I like Jurassic good. World, but I guess, yeah, once again, yeah, I have Jurassic to go with World's the original. There's, there's nothing wrong with with Jurassic World. No. I mean, there's a few things wrong with it, but, like, <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, it's an enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have a short list, but it's um, it, it, they're enjoyable films, and I appreciate that it it adds to the canon of the story. And I'm actually very excited for the third one that's coming yeah. out. It's going to have Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum in it. Um, so I'm very excited for this new movie they're they're crafting right now. I think it will be the culmination of all all of the trilogies, you know. Yeah. But um, Jurassic Park, the original is a monumental film in so many ways. Um, not just as a person who likes dinosaurs, but it, it kind of just changed cinema. Uh, Zach and I actually had a conversation about films that changed cinema in a really profound way. And I think Jurassic Park's one of those films. Specifically it, special effects. Special effects. But I think it's changed cinema in a few ways. I think it's the one of the first like monster movies that isn't scary because the monster is big, but there is a thrill... And like an actual scary element to the movie itself, they they don't use the monster as like this big hunking creature that is scary because it's big. They some of the scariest creatures in Jurassic Park are actually the smallest. Yeah, like the raptors. Yeah, the raptor the raptor kitchen scene for one, and, and uh, you know Dilophosaurus um, I think is also extremely creepy, and the way that they utilize that suspense element in revealing their monsters, I think is paramount and unprecedented before that. Um, except for maybe alien. I think that that was the, the first movie to really do, do that in a really effective way uh, beyond like, just being like, here's a monster. There it is. It's on screen. Be scared. <laughs> alien. But See, I've never alien. seen alien for that reason. I'd just be way too scared. Oh, it's, just... it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, but I think I think Alien and Jurassic Park were the first movies to just not hit you over the head with their monster. You know, it's like yeah. here it is, be frightened. Like <laughs> no, they use suspense and thrills and character development. Yes, lots of character development. Movie. Yeah, and I think Jurassic Park is an incredible film for those reasons, and and honestly, a lot more. It's my favorite movie of all time. So. Mm. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't argue yeah. with that. You, yeah. you could do a whole podcast on me just talking about Jurassic Park. We should so. do that one day. That'd be fun. <laughs> I, I probably, probably learned way from that topic before I ramble on for another thirty-five minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> Telecaster or Stratocaster? I am a Strat lover, baby. I, I do. Um, both. Both are great. Why not both? Why not both? Um, I guess. But, I guess you could throw that in there. <laughs> Are we going just straight like standard setup, single coil pickups? Because that's the that's the real argument. Right? Yeah, true. Like, that's that's always where I end up. 
Because in that case, I always pick a tele. If you're going straight, just single coil, no humbucker, I would choose a tele over a strat. I would choose a strat over a tele. I like the way it plays more. I really do. Your strat. Your, I'm not talking about your strat. That's the, pro- talking- that's the problem with the cars, though. They all play different. They play different. And I, yeah. you know, I've played. That's why I'm saying it's a standard strat versus a standard tele. I'm, I'm buying the tele. Standard American strat, standard American telly. All single coil. Yeah, let's 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 do it that way. So if ever you know standard both sides, you would still pick the strat. I think I would still pick the strat. I yeah. pick the telly. Yeah, I'd pick the telly too, I man. Think, I think you're also both biased because your favorite part of your strat, my favorite part of my telly. Yeah, which is fair, and they play different. Like your telly plays better than oh. my American telly. Oh, absolutely. It does. And it's a fucking squire net. Yeah, I know. Also, I put a lot of time and effort into building that guitar. Yeah, you can make guitars to your fit, to your liking. That guitar, it's one of the best playing guitars I've ever It's heard. awesome. Uh, I also sand it all to finish up in that. There you go. <laughs> you put in some time. I put, I put some love into that thing. Yeah, so it, it's a little bit of a draw, but I think personally, um, I like strats just a little bit more. I say this, but I always say I regret talking. Like every time I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. So yeah, if strat um, me. Strat, okay. Um and then Telly for Zach. Um or Zach, excuse me. Um if uh if you could go back in time and relive one concert, and I know you've been to a trillion of them, which one would it be? Shit, man. Um Oh man. Um Honestly, Fall Boys Reunion Show, except T. Ooh. You went to that, that show? Good. I was at that show. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, I was not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Man. I, like, I've been to a lot of fucking shows, and, like, well, I mean, any, does it have to be a show we went to or any time, any place? I mean, I guess you could make it a you could make it a sleep on a show. You could make it a show you attended, you know. I did. any show in any place, it would have to be Woodstock, the original Woodstock. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I would want to see Woodstock. Okay. I would. I would want to see Led Zeppelin in 1969. Ooh, that's a any, good one. Any any big Led Zeppelin show in '69, they were like unreal at that time. Like it, it, it was like nothing you'd ever seen before, and sets probably. But I guess a show I've been to, man, um, I would really because I was really young when I saw the show. And, like, my memory, like, I remember it, but I don't know it that well. But I saw Green Day on the American Idiot Tour with My Chemical Romance opening. Ooh. And uh, it was there playing Three Cheers stuff. And, you know, Green Day just sounded awesome. So did My Chem, but, like, I barely remember the set list. Like, because it was, I was, like, 12. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, like, yeah. 13. And I had the time of my life. But, like, I didn't appreciate it like I would now. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And both those bands are increasingly hard to see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eight, I believe. My Chem and Lincoln Park, and My Chem was still in the Black Parade era. Yeah, that would be... I I, I was at that show. It was fucking insane. Yeah. That would be a good show. Yeah, so so those those are up there for me. Uh, I saw the Chili Peppers on the Stadium Arcadium tour. Um, That's sick. And it was disgusting uh it was so so good um and uh i mean i've seen a lot i've seen probably two thousand shows um right i so it's a it's a jumble there's 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 easily five to ten i'm probably not thinking of off the top of my head 
but uh, those those right away come right to me. Do you um, keep your tickets? Do you guys what? keep your tickets from shows? From like no, no. I I have I have some a few mm. um, that are like really special, but uh, it's too many tickets. I'm not gonna. Do <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say especially now. And of course, most of the times it's either on your phone or you print yeah, it out, you and it's not there's not the that. value attached to it. You know, like, yeah. I remember going to Carson's and buying Ticketmaster tickets like back in the day. You know, um, like. You know, it was probably like 2003. I remember doing that. So, um, all right. So the last one I have, uh, what what would your dream tour be? Like sleep on it. (laughs) You know, I'm sure you've been asked this question before. I have. I have. And, and, you know, and it it ends up being a very similar answer every time. Um, Dream tour that my band would be on or just my dream tour in general? It could be either one or you could give me both, whatever. Okay. I mean, I think my dream tour, regardless, I would be honored if my band was on it. So, um, but like, I would love to see, like, I hate you. Um, <laughs> sorry. Zach messing with me. Um, uh, <laughs> God damn it. Um, wow. Um, so no, I mean, I would love like, this is obviously like stupendous in its nature, but you know, like a fall boy, Jimmy world, taking back Sunday yellow card tour oh would my absolutely God. blow my mind. Like <laughs> I, I would go to every day. Like I would, I would, you'd have to pay me not to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I wish I could have got, yeah, that would yeah. not be able to go, but yeah, it would have been amazing. but yeah, I think basically, you know, my top, some of my, my, probably my top four favorite bands, um, on one package, I'd, I would blow a gasket. <laughs> what if that tour existed and Sleep On It was on another tour at that same time and you could not go? Would you quit Sleep I would, On I, It? I, I, would, I would see if, they, if the dates lined up and I'd fly to one. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, hey, guys, can, uh, can you find someone to fill my place for like six weeks while I go on this, you know, follow this other no, tour? No, I mean, like... <laughs> As much as I just said, obviously, I would I would try, I would follow every date, but like, I would just need to see it once. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Oh, if hell I could yeah. If I see it more than once, I would. I like but that like, lineup. If I could see it once, that would be okay. Yeah. I love, I love, uh, love the way you think. I like that lineup. How about Zach? My dream tour lineup? Yeah. Basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Jimmy, uh, Earl, Fall Out Boy, Yellow Card, um, and like mine is a little less feasible. It doesn't make well. It actually, still makes sense because he's both like he plays rock music. But Frank Turner, yeah, oh, Frank Turner is my favorite artist of all time. And then obviously we would open because I would have to watch that show every day. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. Gosh, I, I would. Frank. I love Frank Turner too. Frank's the fucking man. Yeah, he's great. I uh, I've only seen Jimmy Eat World once, and once again, like like you, Jake, I was young when I saw them. Um, Oh, man. Probably like four. I was probably like fourteen. I was probably fourteen when I saw them. They're literally a fine line. They've gotten much better with time. I'm sure they have. When we played Slam Dunk, they were the headliner, and every day that they played, I was sitting inside the barricade on one of the footsteps and just like mouth open, just in awe of how insanely tight and perfect they sound live. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Hands down, one of the best live bands I've ever seen. They are amazing. 
yeah, I need to I need to actually see them. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to do that <laughs> once this uh, pandemic is over with. So I finally saw some forty one for the first time this last fall, and they were I was very impressed um, with their live show. So, but uh, fuck yeah, what's that? I said, I said, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah, th- that was the, the, the random questions that I came up with that I was going to throw at you. So. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. Um, and let's see. I mean, I could ask you one more thing. Sure. And I, I'm just asking this mainly for, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about all the things we've talked about. But um, <laughs> I noticed the other day you posted an article about what is it beyond meat or one of the plant-based yeah. meats and i've always been curious about the all these plant-based meats that are coming out like i don't know much about them like what do they taste like what's in them like <laughs> you know so like there it is it is it is literally what they say it is it's a plant-based composite meat substitute um, they are extremely high in sodium, uh, extremely high in fat. Uh, they're not health-wise that different from a traditional burger. They're just not made with any sort of beef, huh. um, you know, or any any animal product whatsoever. Uh, uh-huh. Their taste is um, similar. They, it's not exactly the same. You know, the the way that the fat cooks through the through the burger and the overall texture is a little different, um, but. Honestly, if you have it with all your general burger toppings, if it's if it's seasoned well, you know, like you season any sort of ground beef, it is really hard to notice that you're you're not eating meat um, if it's seasoned with all of your normal fixings. Boy, let me season up a patty for you. You think you're eating ground beef? I tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is it is uh, kind of scary how easy it is for you to not really know. Um, you know. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like a vegetarian or even vegan by any means. Um, but I do sort of steer away from red meat in general. I try to. Yeah. Um, just because I'm. I'm. You know. I'm. I've battled with my weight a lot of my life, and I know that um, it's just not good for me. You know, overall cholesterol, fat, high sodium, uh, just not good for my health. You know, I'm 31 years old, and uh, I got to start really taking that shit into consideration. So if I have a burger craving. It's a nice substitute. But again, I think vegans and some people that are like not really doing their homework, they're, they're mistaking it as some sort of like healthy option. And it, it, there's nothing healthy about Beyond Meat, to be frank about it. It is more ethical and it is a great substitute. But uh, if you look at the nutrition facts on the packages, it's not not good for you by any sense of the word. Really. Yeah, especially since I've seen fast food restaurants starting to serve it. Yeah, you know, and that's why I'm like, okay, if they're serving it, can it actually be good for you? <laughs> you know. Not really. It, it, yeah. it is an ethical substitute for something that people like to eat. Right. That makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. So when you put it that way, um, but it, it, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it per se. But I think it. I mean, it's, it's like you said the other day. It, it, it should be eaten in the same way that red meat is eaten. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't be eating it every day. Every right. once in a while, it's a treat. It's like something like red. I mean, when you, get all, when you get a craving for a burger, you should have an impossible burger. Right? Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Everyone knows that your body's not made to handle red meat, like in large quantities. So, like, 
Yeah, and the tree of rosemary, sure, but like just replacing it, using it as like your main protein replacement. Not why. Yeah, you're ingesting tons. There's there's more sodium so in, in impossible meat than like regular meat by like a big margin. There's a lot of salt. Wow. I yeah. suppose I suppose that's just in there because they have to preserve it in some way. Yeah. 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 So that's always the problem with food, you know. Like if you're trying to go on a low sodium diet, everything is, you know, just filled with salt, and it's hard to hard to combat that. So, all right, man. Well, um, thank you so much again for your time. I probably should get going. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, um, it's all good. But uh, yeah, th- this was fun. And Zach, it was great talking with you too. So. <laughs> Hey, I, I love the hijacking interviews. So. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love it. It made it so much. It made it a lot of fun. So, um, oh, you know what we should talk about real quick. Um, you guys are doing a great thing with that uh, stay home single. Yeah, um, for sure. So, <laughs> it's some of the. Is it every like? Is it all the proceeds from that are going to an and organization, right? Yeah, we actually haven't fully because we it just came out, so we haven't gotten any sort of money from it yet. You know, right? Um, I was gonna, you know, you get uh, earnings like quarterly uh, from right. streaming songs. So I, when we got the money from the song, we were gonna decide how much we can give. But uh, you know, a, a sizable donation, I think, because the whole point of the song was a was a fun, playful PSA um, for you know uh, staying at home and being safe during this quarantine time. So. Um, we haven't, we, we have no idea how much we're going to make off of it, but, uh, whatever, whenever we see the results of the streaming numbers, we're going to give a sizable donation to it. I, you know, we'll probably post about it when that happens. I just don't know how much money we're going to make. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you're going to donate to world health organization, yeah. right? Yeah, awesome. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, stay at home's a, it's a fun, quick song. It's yeah. It, it was never meant to be super serious. Um, just having a good time what? that music video is the most serious thing we've ever done <laughs> well that mustache dude that mustache yeah. is pretty fucking serious i miss yeah. it honestly you got rid of it already oh well, come on yeah, I, I mean already i had it for like a month and a half <laughs> <laughs> but i'm back to the, to the, the sad excuse i call beard um but i think the mustache is going to come back i miss it yeah you should man i i like the stash looks good on you Thank you. I look like everybody's dad in 1983. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, dude, he looks very 80s. He needs like some aviator sunglasses. You can almost like pass as a cop, you know. Oh yeah. For I look sure. like a cop on the day off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, in the bathrobe. You just need like a stogie too to add to it. <laughs> Damn, I actually have one. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much again. Um, no problem. And uh, anything else before we go? Yeah, um, stream, stay home, uh, be safe. Uh, we got some more stuff in the pipeline coming down. Watch us on Twitch, uh, sleep on it music, twitch.tv, so sleep on it music. Um, yeah, we're going to be interacting with fans on there. That's a great, if you ever want to keep in touch with band members, we always do Q&A while we're doing the cooking show, while we're doing the TED Talk. So, if you want to connect with Sleep On It anyway, uh, we recommend following us on Twitch because that's how we're going to be doing that for a while until this stuff clears up. <laughs> right. And, you know, I mean, fingers crossed, man, I really hope it's the fall. But, 
you know, yeah. it's, it's really hard Optimism to say. And realism are, are blurring a little bit there, but I, yeah. you know, I hope. So. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, it, that's the, the most optimistic at this point anyway. Yeah. So yeah, we can only, uh, we can only hope. So, all right, guys, so will you take care? Uh, we'll keep in touch and, um, can't wait to, uh, hopefully see you guys live sometime down the road. Awesome. The feeling is mutual, my friend. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Keep right. in touch, man. Yep. I will. Bye. Sleep on its latest record that we were talking about during the podcast, Pride and Disaster. It's available everywhere. Came out this last fall in 2019. If you haven't heard it, you got to give it a listen. I promise you're going to love it. So make sure you hit up sleeponitband.com to see where you can stream it or to even where you can buy it, better yet. So make sure you do that. Show them some love because I think they deserve it during this tough time that we're all going through. So even just simply streaming their music, which does not cost you a thing, helps them out. So if that's the only thing you can do, because as Jake and I were talking about at this time, people don't have a lot of money. You and I don't have money to spend. So that's one thing we can do for free to help our favorite artists uh, currently at this time. So please do that. And that is it for today's episode of Pop Punk and Pizza. I'm Jacques Lamour. It's been such a pleasure having you here. I know there are a kajillion podcasts out there in this world right now, and the fact that you chose this one today to listen to and download means the world to me. So thank you so much. I'm going to continue to keep putting out great content as, as much as I possibly can for you. We'll have a brand new episode coming out for you next week. If you follow us on social media, you'll find out who that's going to be. I'll announce that here in the next three to five days. So our Facebook Twitter and Instagram. It's all the same handle. It's Pop Punk Pizza Pod. Bangarang Radio is at Bangarang Radio for both Facebook and Twitter. My Twitter is on air with JL, and we can always talk about whatever you want there. And if you're in a band, you want your music played on the show, or you're a publicist, you're a manager, whatever uh, it may be, and you have interest in having your music played on the show or being a guest on the show, whatever it may, whatever it may be, you can email me at bangerangradio at gmail.com. Links to your music, EPKs, press kits, all that stuff, bangerangradio at gmail.com, and I look forward to talking to you there. So have a wonderful week. I got your back. If you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey.